Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Harvest Baptist Church. The following message was delivered by Pastor Kurt Skelly and is part of a series entitled Acts, the Gospel Mobilized. Reasons and seasons. God works in our lives in seasons. We don't always know the reasons for the seasons that God allows in our life. And certainly that would be true in in my life. I think it's true in your life as well. Reasons and seasons. The Apostle Paul obviously was a tremendous man of God. God used him in a, a very exciting way. We're in a section in the book of Acts that is actually my favorite section of the book of Acts. Acts 16 through Acts 20 is my favorite section in the book of Acts. It helps us to understand what we call Paul's second missionary journey. Uh, Scholars have divided Paul's life into missionary journeys. And some say that he took three journeys. Some say four if you count his trip to Rome. Uh, Paul was a missionary. Really his whole life was a missionary journey. Uh, Paul's second missionary journey, we find him going to cities like Philippi. We talked about that last week. Then he went to a city called Thessalonica. We'll talk about that today. And then from Thessalonica, he went to uh, Berea. And then from Berea, he went to Athens. And then from Athens, he went to Corinth. And that really ended his second missionary journey. On his third missionary journey, Paul spent most of his time, although he did go back to all of these churches uh, like he would do to confirm them. He also went to Ephesus. And when you think about the third missionary journey, a good way for you to remember it is to remember he went to Ephesus for three years. Almost three years, not quite. But I think third journey, three years, Ephesus. It just helps me to remember that. And then uh, he went to Rome later on in his ministry. And not just once, but a couple of times. And there's seasons in Paul's life we know nothing about. There's seasons we know a lot about. The book of Acts helps us to understand just snippets in those seasons of Paul's life. If a story were to be written about your life, if someone were to take out the pen and write a history book about your service to the Lord and places you've gone and people to whom you've witnessed and ministry opportunities that you've had, you know, what would be said? What would be the highlights? What would would be the... The, uh, the areas in which God has used your life. That's really the book of Acts. From chapter 11 and on, it's the story of the Apostle Paul. Little snippets in his life. Seasons where God used him. Remember, uh, he had gone to Philippi. And Philippi was the chief city of that part of Macedonia. That part of Macedonia. And then the Bible says in chapter 17 in verse 1, that he left Philippi. He went through the cities of Amphipolis and Apollonia. Don't know much about those cities. At least we don't uh, unless we were to research them. They weren't necessarily small cities. They were cities of a good size. Matter of fact, uh, Amphipolis was uh, a, a major city. And yet the Bible says that Paul passed through those cities. You, you can't reach everybody. God doesn't have you in your circle of of influence or in in your neighborhood or at your workplace or even in western Pennsylvania to reach everybody. But God does have some people he does want you to reach. We have to exercise wisdom. Sometimes we've got to pass by. Sometimes we have to pass through. And remember the Apostle Paul's stated philosophy was that he would go to hub cities, hub cities. 
So he went to Philippi. There they saw the gospel uh, preached and, and people trusted Christ as Savior and a church was founded. And from Philippi, other churches no doubt were founded and a gospel center was established. Then the Bible says he went to Thessalonica along a highway called the Via Ignatia or the Ignatian Way. It was the major highway of the day. Major highway of the day. And uh, he passed through cities, Amphipolis and Apollonia, on the way. Now back in Rome, they would build a city about every day's journey would be a, a population region. Why? So that there would, could be a, a hotel, a motel, a place to refresh, a place to resupply. And so a horseback's journey away was Amphipolis from from Philippi, about 30 miles, about, about 30 miles, some odd. And so he went from Philippi to Amphipolis, probably stay over, stayed overnight, and then went from Amphipolis to Apollonia. Again, about another 30 miles, not quite, but just about 30 miles, and stayed in Apollonia, and then again to Thessalonica, about 30 miles. So Paul's making his way down the road, passing through these cities, coming to Thessalonica, why? Now why would he skip those cities? Because Thessalonica was the next major hub city. Matter of fact, in Macedonia, the region was divided into four, uh, four sub-regions, four divisions. Philippi was, was the chief city of one of those divisions. Thessalonica was the chief city of its division, but also the capital of the entire region of Macedonia. So the Via Ignatia went right through it. But not only did the Via Ignatia, that's the east-west road, not only did that go right through it, but also the major road running from the south, or rather from north down to the south, that major road uh, ran through Thessalon uh, Thessalonica as well. From the Danube River all the way down uh, to uh, the bay, the Thermaic Bay where Thessalonica was located. So this literally, Thessalonica literally was the crossroads of that part of the world. And so all trade went through Thessalonica. The bay uh, ended right there at Thessalonica. The crossroads, the major highways of the day, right there. What a great opportunity for Paul to go to this place. Because he knew that if I could start a church in this place, as difficult as it'll be, if I could start a church in this place, then from this place with all of these roads of opportunity, with all the easy ingress and egress from this city, with the people that come in, uh, the gospel can really have a great sounding board if I start a church in Thessalonica. That was Paul's philosophy. And by the way, uh, sometime later when Paul wrote the letter to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians, he actually said just that. He said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, he said, from you, from you sounded out the word of God sounded out the Word of God so that in all of Macedonia and all of Achaia, people heard the gospel. So Paul's philosophy, Paul's strategy was justified. Why? He preached the gospel at Thessalonica. That church was founded. Many were saved. And from there, the gospel spread like wildfire to all these, uh, like Amphipolis, like Apollonia, and all these other neighboring towns, the gospel spread. What, what great news. What great news when a plan comes together. And that's exactly how God used Paul in this season in his life. Reasons and seasons. But it doesn't all unfold that neatly. We love when stories unfold neatly. We love it when plans go 
according to all of the, uh, all of the expectations and preparations that we've made. But you know, in Acts chapter 17, we find that things didn't unfold the way that Paul would have expected them to unfold. Matter of fact, humanly speaking, it turned into a big mess. Humanly speaking, we read the passage a moment ago, the Apostle Paul preached after just three Sabbath days, he was kicked out of the synagogue. After some time later, he was literally kicked out of the city. Had to get away at night, in the middle of the night. Why? Because there was a mob riot wanting to arrest him, to uh, persecute him. I mean, this would not have been the way that you would have chosen for the gospel to find root in Thessalonica. And yet it's exactly what God used. Reasons and seasons. Reasons and seasons. Paul had no clue how long he'd be there. Hey, can I say this? Paul wanted to be there longer. Paul wished he could have stayed longer. He even said that. He couldn't teach them all the things he wanted to teach them. He had to write them two letters afterwards to say, hey, listen, I didn't even get to this doctrine. I didn't even, I wasn't able to clarify this issue. Reasons and seasons. And yet God was in charge of all of it. God was superintending every bit of it. Reasons and seasons. Our reasons aren't always known to us. I think one day we will know. And sometimes even in this life, we see reasons after the fact. Seasons, we don't always know the seasons that God gives us. We think we know them. Well, high school is going to be four years long. For some of you, that wasn't true. Some of you, it was five years long. Uh, and you don't know. Yeah, my three best years were third grade. Yeah, and sometimes it's that. Reasons and seasons. And so what are the reasons and seasons? What's God doing? What did God do in Paul's life? How, how can we learn from this? Is there, are there really principles in Acts 17 to help us understand reasons and seasons? Father, would you help us to answer that question? Lord, we want to be people of faith. We want to have the capacity to trust you more. We want to understand your word. We want to learn from the ways by which you worked in others' lives. And so, Father, I pray that you'd bless this message. I pray that you would help us to apply these principles. And I pray, Father, that you would bring clarity to our lives as we seek to be propagators of the greatest message ever told, the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Please bless this message, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. I want to give you three statements this morning. First of all, God provides each one of us seasons of opportunity in our lives. God provides us seasons of opportunities in our life. God does. God's the great curator of time. Uh, we don't, we, we don't, we think we have time. It's, it's one of the great assumptions of mankind. We think we have time. We think we have uh, time to make decisions. We think we have time to serve God. We think we have time to, you fill in that blank, time to, and we make our plans assuming that we have time. And yet the Bible says that's the, the, the worst assumption we can make. The Bible says, boast not thyself, boast not thyself of tomorrow. Thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. We don't, we don't have time. Now, if we do have time, that's up to God, but we can't assume that we have time. Go to now, ye that say today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year and, and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what should be on tomorrow. What's your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time. 
and vanishes away. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. And so we don't have time. We don't, and if we do have time, it's a gift of God. We don't know that we have time. That's why the Bible says we're to redeem our time. That's why the, the psalmist said, we live our lives as a tale that is told. Think about that. We live our lives as a tale that is told. Your life is a story. That's what God said. Your life is a story. Now, what chapter are you in? You don't know. Your life is a story. That's what God tells us. What chapter are you in? You don't know. You don't know what chapter you're in. You might be in the last chapter. You might be in the last page. We don't know. We live our lives as a tale that is told. And so whatever season you have is a season provided to you by God. So in the life of Paul, we're looking at this history book called Acts, and we're looking back at these seasons in his life and saying, okay, God, you gave him X number of days in that city. Some cities, it was 18 months, Corinth. Some cities, it was almost three years, Ephesus. Some places, it was two years, Rome or Caesarea. Some cities, it was just a, a short period of time, Philippi or Thessalonica, Berea, just a snippet of time. But in every single situation, it was a season that God provided. Let me ask you a question. When you have a season of opportunity, does your character make that season profitable? When you have a season of opportunity in your life, does your character, who you are, who God is making you to be, does your character make the season of opportunity profitable? Because what I find in the life of the Apostle Paul is whatever season God gave him, that season became profitable because Paul's character made it profitable. Watch what it says in chapter 17 and verse 1. When they had passed through the cities of Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where was the synagogue of the Jews where you know where Paul's going to go because that's his stated philosophy. He's going to go right there to that synagogue to the, Jew, to the Jew first. That's his philosophy. That's his strategy. Uh, the Bible says in verse 2, and Paul, watch this, as his manner was, went in unto them. As his manner was. To, when opportunity meets your character, when opportunity meets as your manner is, what happens? See, the apostle Paul was used of God in a great way, but the reason he was used of God is because he made the most of the moments of his life. He had the character that when there was an opportunity to go and talk to people about Jesus Christ, when there was an opportunity in a new city to go to that synagogue and preach the gospel in spite of what he had suffered at other synagogues, in spite of the persecution that he had suffered at Philippi, he went right back to that place of the synagogue to preach the gospel. His character necessitated him to go. What does your character cause you to do? When you have the opportunity and by the way, you have a season of opportunity in your life when it comes to your health. Are you healthy? Probably. You're here today. You're healthy enough to get up and get dressed and get out of your home and come to this place. What are you doing with that season of opportunity? Are you just assuming you're always going to be healthy? Are you just assuming that you're always going to have energy? Are you just assuming that you're always going to have the opportunity that, you, that your health affords you today? What are you doing with this season of opportunity? What kind of character do you have to serve God with the health that God's given you? Hey, what about the, the freedoms that we enjoy as a nation? Can we see them eroding in front of us? 
Can we see what's happening on the political scene today? Can we see the moral degradation of our country? Can we realize as believers that our liberties are slipping through our fingers one by one? What are we doing with them? What are we doing with the season of religious freedom opportunity that our nation has? Unprecedented. What are we doing with it? God gives us seasons of opportunity and we don't know how long they are. We don't know how much time we have. Are we making the most of them? Because seasons are precious when they're over. But I, I meant to this summer, I meant to get to this, but now summer is ended. But while my kids were still at home, I was going to, but now they're grown. We have seasons in our life, natural seasons, but we don't always know the ending time for those seasons. Do we have character in season to take advantage of the opportunities that God has provided for us? Watch how Paul took advantage of this season in his life. I follow four verbs in verses uh, 2 and 3 and 4. Four verbs that help us to understand Paul's taking advantage of the opportunity that God provided. Look at verse 2. Where the Bible says, And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them. And three Sabbath days, watch this, he reasoned with them. He reasoned with them. The word reason here is a word that in other places is translated disputed with them. What does that mean? Does that mean that Paul was argumentative? No, it didn't mean argumentative in a bad way. What it meant was uh, Paul was able to give measured answers for why he believed what he believed. Paul was willing to engage people in conversation and he knew why he believed it. The Bible says, sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that's in you with meekness and fear. In other words, with respect, with gentleness. We ought to be able to give measured responses as to why we believe what we believe. And the Apostle Paul, he was on the offenses. He went to that synagogue and said, listen, let me just tell you why I believe that Jesus is Messiah. Why I believe that you ought to receive him into your life as your personal Savior. Let me give you the reasons from the Bible. Can we give a measured response? Back in Bible days, the way that people taught was to uh, ask and receive questions. Teaching was interactive. Uh, not like today when one person's just talking for uh, too long. Uh, but uh, back in Bible days, there, there was interaction and, and there'd be questions and answers. And, and you had to be able to defend your point. And people would say, well, what, what? show me your support, supporting evidence for that. And the Apostle Paul always had an answer. This is the operative verb in Paul's life. We find it here in Acts 17. Again, when he goes to Athens, in Acts 17, we see the same word used again. In Acts chapter 18 and verse 4, at Corinth, we find him the same word, disputing and reasoning. In Acts chapter 18 and verse 19, we find him in Ephesus, the same word. In Acts chapter 19 and verse 8, back in Ephesus at the school of Tyrannus, we find the same word. Uh, in Acts chapter 20, again, we find the same word used when he's at Troas and preaching and Eutychus uh, falls asleep. That same word, disputing and reasoning. In Acts chapter 24, when he's talking to Felix, we find the same word. Paul has an answer, not as a know-it-all. He has an answer, not just as some intellectual academic. He has an answer because he knows who God is and he knows what the Bible says and he wants to convince people that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He has an answer for their questions. I wonder, are we reasoners? 
Are we people that can argue our faith, not in an, uh, in an obnoxious way, but in a measured way? Can we reason the faith? Not only do I find that the Apostle Paul reasoned, but notice what it says in verse 3. Opening and alleging. So in verse 2, he's reasoning. But watch in verse 3. He's opening and alleging. To open means uh, I want you to understand. I want to give you evidence that shows you what the Bible says. I want your eyes to be open to this issue. I, I want to make this uh, a doctrine clear to you. He was opening, opening. So the purpose for his dispute, the purpose for his argumentation was I want you to see what the Bible says. I want you to see what the scriptures teach. I want you to understand what, what God said about Messiah. He opened and then he alleged. To allege means uh, uh, here's my statement. Here's the, here's the proof of it. And so I'm disputing, I'm arguing, I'm helping you to see, and then I'm making my statement. And here's the truth. Jesus is Messiah. Jesus is Christ. Jesus is the way. Here it is. I allege that. That's my statement. That's my conclusion. And it's based upon this rationale. Can we do that? Reasoning and opening and alleging. And all of that, I think, under the one big topic of preaching. See it there at the verse 3? Opening and alleging that Christ, that's a title, not a name. Christ, Messiah, must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead. And that this Jesus, that's a person. Christ is a title. Jesus is a person. Jesus Christ. Jesus the Christ. And that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. So what was Paul doing? Paul was going to the synagogue and saying, let me take the Bible that you accept let me take the scriptures that you teach from and preach from week after week. Let me argue with you about who Messiah is. I can picture the Apostle Paul going to the Messianic Psalms like Psalm 22. I can picture the Apostle Paul going to the, the definitive passages like Isaiah chapter 53, Isaiah chapter 40, Malachi chapter 3. I can picture the Apostle Paul going to these, uh, these, these scriptures and saying, see that? See what the Bible says about Messiah? See what the Bible says about Christ? Now, let me tell you about what happened to Jesus. Let me show you how that Jesus, oh, the Bible says, Micah 5, 2, Bethlehem. Jesus born at Bethlehem. Oh, the Bible says that uh, he was uh, he, uh, led as a lamb to the slaughter. Oh, here, that uh, Jesus, let me tell you about his crucifixion. And he just showed that Jesus, the human Jesus, is the fulfillment of the Old Testament predictions about Messiah. Jesus is Christ. You say, well, Pastor Skelly, come on. How could they not see that? They had been taught their whole lives that Messiah would be a hero. They had, taught their whole, they had been taught their whole lives, these Jews, had been taught their whole lives that Messiah would be the king that would come in on a horse and, and throw off Roman oppression. They never uh, entertained the notion that Messiah would, would suffer. Suffer, that's weakness. Suffer, that, uh, that, that's, uh, that's defeat. Die. No, no, not Messiah. In other words, they had looked at the Bible through their religious eyeglasses and they had missed who Messiah was. And Paul had to argue it. And Paul had to show it. And he had to open the Bible. And he had to make the conclusion. And he had to preach, proclaim to them, declare to them, this is true. What are you doing? What am I doing with the seasons of opportunity that God has given me? You have a season of opportunity at that workplace. A season. And when you leave. Now I'm well aware of seasons in my life. At this point in my life. 
It's like every day of my life, I think now. I've got next Sunday morning and night and then I got the Wednesday after that and then I got the Sunday morning after that and then the afternoon I'm not preaching so I got four more shots but I'm aware of that but you know, truth be told, this might be my last shot. And that's the way we ought to live our lives. Every day is the last day. Every sermon is the last sermon. Every season, every season could end today. Every season. We need to realize that God has graciously provided seasons in our life. And those seasons in our life, given by God, God is the only one that gives time. God is the only one that can give time. And God has given us this day. This is the day that the Lord hath made. He made you and he made today. Let those two things meet. He made you and he made today. Let those two things coincide. Why? Because we don't have tomorrow. We have today to serve him. And we better do it. God provides seasons of opportunity. Number two, not only does God provide seasons of opportunity, but I'll say this, the gospel, the gospel provides the reason for every problem. Reasons and seasons. Well, what about the seasons of my life? Uh, well, I'm going to finish college or, or I'm going to get married next year or, or I'm going to work this job. I'm going to retire in 15 years. I'm going to, no, no, you're going to live today. That's all you know. So God provides seasons in your life. And if God does give you a three score and 10, if God does give you another 10 years to retirement, if God does allow your kids to be in your home until they're 18, if God does, then use it for his glory. But act like every day is the day. Every day is the day. God is the provider of seasons in our life. The gospel is the reason for every problem that arises in our life. Say, Pastor Skelly, what do you mean by that? I mean, sometimes circumstances and problems and situations, they can upend us. Sometimes circumstances and situations that, that we couldn't have predicted, that we never would have scripted for our life. Sometimes they can upend us and sometimes we can ask the questions like, well, Lord, why? Or this is not fair. Or uh, I could do so much more if we play that game. Not believing, not understanding that God is the superintendent of the circumstances of our life and understand that God is the orchestrator and the great symphony director of my life and understand that when God allows things in my life outside of my control, it's a gospel opportunity. It's a gospel opportunity. And God allowed some things in, in Paul's life that don't make sense in the moment. You have to get outside of them. You have to get beyond them. You have to allow time to elapse and then go back and say, oh, Oh, that's, that's why God did that. And it doesn't make sense that he was arrested and kicked out of town in Philippi until you go to Thessalonica and realize, oh, wow, people are getting saved here. And the devout Greeks, a multitude are being saved. And some of the chief women of the city are getting saved. And, and the gospel hub is being, oh, God, that's why you got him out of Philippi. 
And then Thessalonica, why in the world? He goes to the synagogue and for three Sabbath days he's, he's opening and alleging and reasoning and preaching and people are being saved. But after three Sabbath days, he's done. They kick him out of the synagogue. He doesn't have that man. Well, why, why, why would God allow him to go to the synagogue and they get kicked out? Because then he went house to house and street to street and witnessed to the pagan Greeks. And by the way, when he wrote the letter to the Thessalonians uh, sometime later, he said how ye turned to God from idols unto the living and true God. You know who, you know who comprised the church at Thessal- Thessalonica much more than the people in verse 4 that got saved? The pagan Jews, or the pagan Greeks rather, the Bible never talks about in Acts 17. In other words, were it not for Paul getting kicked out of the synagogue, he never would have had the opportunity that he had among those that never would have gone to the synagogue. In other words, the problem, the problem gave him a greater opportunity. And then he got kicked out of town. The unbelieving Jews were so envious that Paul's ministry was growing and so envious that these people were, were consorting with him and, and, and siding with Christianity and leaving the, the Jewish religion. They were so concerned about that, so envious that they incited a riot in the city. And they would have uh, arrested the Apostle Paul, but uh, they, they, uh, they whisked him out of town in the middle of the night. Why, God, why would you allow this, this great ministry that's happening, all these people that are being saved and a doctrine that I still need to teach these people, Lord, why? But they brought him down to Berea. And there at Berea, the people were even more ready to hear the gospel. The people were more interested in the scriptures. And even more people got saved. Well, Paul couldn't have known that. And by the way, Paul never would have gone to Berea. It wasn't a hub city. It was a little out of the way place. But God worked circumstantially in ways that Paul never could have envisioned. And God did something for the gospel's sake. And what what happens is the gospel will bring every problem into focus in your life. When you put the, the gospel contextualizes everything. Why? God, would you allow me to be in this hospital? Did you ever think that God might want you to witness to the nurse? Why why does God have me rehabbing in this convalescent home? Did you ever think that the person in the bed next to you might need Christ? The gospel contextualizes everything. When you start superimposing the gospel upon your life, you realize, oh God, you make no mistake. And you have a way to move people and you have a way to bring people to places that they would not and could not have otherwise gone. And God, you have a plan, you have a purpose. Help me to see it. Because the gospel solves every problem. The gospel puts every problem into context. That's why, that's why, that's why. I didn't see it, I didn't see it. But God, that's why, that's why you did it. You talk about the problems he faced. Look at the problem. Look at the problems Paul faced. There's no way outside of the gospel that you could ever see good in this. Look at verse 5. The Bible says, The Jews which believe not move with envy. Envy will move you, by the way. Envy is when you look at somebody else and say, Boy, I want what they have. It's not fair that they have it. I should have it. It was envy that caused Cain to say, I want Abel dead. I want the approval of God that he has. It was envy that caused the brothers of Joseph to put him in the pit and intend to kill him. I want the coat. I want the father's favor. It was envy that caused Saul to eye David. I want to kill him. I want the songs sung about me. It was envy that caused the other uh, rulers of, of Persia to, to, uh, to enact that law that Daniel might die. We want the, we want the top spot. It was, it was envy that caused Haman to want to kill Mordecai. Envy. Envy. 
That's why envy and murder always go together in the Bible. Always. One's motive. One's method. Envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, hairs of God. That's the list in Romans chapter 1. The works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulation, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. The works of the flesh, envyings, murders, they go together. Envy, murder, envy. I want what you have and I'll kill you to get it. I want what you have and I'll, I'll get you out of the way to get it. The Jews here were envious. Paul's ministry is growing and ours is shrinking. Paul's getting all the converts and we're getting none. And these are religious people that say, we want the bigger church. We want more, uh, more intention. We'll do whatever we can take. We'll use bully techniques if we have to. And they hire these, these thugs in society to create this mob, riotous environment. They pulled people out of their houses like Jason and the brethren. That's probably where the church met, looking for Paul. How could God be in any of this? Now God can use anything for the gospel's sake. And how does this make sense? It doesn't make sense. People rioting in the streets. People being cruel. People eyeing me out, trying to arrest me and kill me. How could God be in any of this? Listen, God's bigger than all of it. And God can use any situation in our life because he's greater for the gospel's sake. That's exactly what happened. Reasons and seasons. You couldn't have seen it in the moment. How could God be in this person being arrested uh, 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 unfairly? How could God be in me having to be scooted out of town at midnight? How could God be in this? The church was just getting traction. People are just learning. There's more doctrine I need to teach. Why would God take me away from reasons and seasons reasons and seasons God has reasons and seasons we don't always know them but God has reasons and seasons God is the provider of seasons of opportunity God is we don't end them he does the gospel is the answer the gospel is the answer why because God has other gospel purposes unknown to you unknown to me Sometimes it's one man in a desert, but God has bigger plans. God is the curator of the gospel and of influence. He's the mover of pawns, and he's the player of the game. It is ours to obey. Reasons and seasons. Lastly, this morning, God provides seasons of opportunity. The gospel provides the reason for every problem. Lastly, reasons and seasons are often unclear. Listen, Reasons and seasons are often unclear until we view them in hindsight. Reasons and seasons are often unclear until we view them in hindsight. We always want to know reasons in real time. We always want to know reasons in real time. We want to have the why question answered now. I believe that why questions are answered. I do. I really do. I believe there comes a day of clarity for everything. That's what I believe. But you know what? The why questions are often not answered in real time. Reasons and seasons. What I find in Acts chapter 17 is what I find in chapter 16 and 15. In 14 and in 13. When he goes to Lystra and he's stoned and left for dead. When the people of Iconium and Antioch come and 
try to upend what he's doing in Lystra? Well, he doesn't know if he's supposed to go to Asia. Am I supposed to go to Bithynia? And what about Mysia? When he's there in Troas and God said, well, go to Philippi. But then in Philippi he gets arrested and beaten. And why, 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 why? In every one of them we know a why, but we don't know the why until after. We don't know the why until the season is complete. And sometimes the reason is not known until the season is complete. And we have a chance to look back and look at the entire thing. That's why the Apostle Paul said to the church at uh, Corinth, he said, listen, uh, the the, the false apostles, they're, they're judging my ministry. They don't know what they're talking about. They don't know me. They don't know my heart. They can't judge me. And then Paul said something outstanding. He said, and I don't judge myself. I don't even know myself. I don't even know my motives entirely. Uh, There's one that judges, and he's Jesus Christ, and so I'm just going to serve him and be a good steward and love him and let him assess it one day. Boy, we'd all be better off if we did that. Reasons and seasons, reasons and seasons. One day, one day, the story of your life is going to be written. One day, people are going to look back at your life. One day you're going to look back at your life. The book of Acts is written long after these events took place. And we look at it and say, oh yeah, so God was moving him here. And oh, that's why he brought him to Berea. And great things happened there. Oh, and then and Berea, he got, he got kicked out too because the Jews came from Thessalonica. but went down to Athens. But oh, that great message on Mars Hill. Uh, we all know that great message on Mars Hill at Athens. And then from Athens to Corinth. And what a great ministry there. And he never would have had that ministry if he wasn't kicked out of Thessalonica. And then Berea and Yeah, it all makes sense after. Reasons and seasons always make sense after. It rarely makes sense at the moment. And that's where faith comes in. Now in closing, look at verse 10. Chapter 17 and verse 10. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. Paul never would have gone to Berea. That's not a hub city. He wouldn't have gone then. There was too much to be done in Thessalonica. But circumstances out of his his control necessitated his departure. There must be a reason. God must know something I don't know. And although I don't know why now, my season in Thessalonica has ended. I can't go back there. I want to go back. I, I wish I could go back. I'm going to write them back, but I'm, never, I'm not going to go back there, at least not for a long period of time. Why? God, why would you end my season there? Verse 11. These, these Bereans, they were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Watch this. They received the word with all readiness of mind. Oh, Paul, we, we've been waiting for somebody. We, we want to know what the Bible says. These were Jews. Oh, we, we, want to, we always wonder what that scripture meant. Oh, uh, you're telling us that Messiah suffered? Show us, show us. Where did you say that passage was again? Can we, can we study that ourselves? They, they received it with readiness. They searched the scriptures. Watch this, daily. So there was a readiness. There was a researching. They searched it for themselves. And there was a resolve. They did it day by day by day by day. Not like the people up in Thessalonica. Oh, that was a hub city, yeah, but they just heard it once a week and, and they, they kind of sat back like this and now the Apostle Paul went to a place and these people are like, yes, we want it, we want it, we want to know it. And the Bible says the results were far greater. Notice what happens here in verse, uh, 
12. Therefore many, many of them believed. In Thessalonica it was just some, but here many believed. Also of the honorable women, which were Greeks, and of men, not a few. The, the men weren't even interested in Thessalonica, but here in Berea, boy, people are ready, and many are believing, and the men are believing, and oh, 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 oh. That's what you did, God. But you couldn't have known. You couldn't have known when that season ended. See, the new season has to begin. It has to begin to unfold for you to understand the last season. It's like, what's your favorite season? The one you're not in. It's so cold, I can't wait for summer. You know, it's so hot, why can't it just be autumn? You know, spring, spring it's so rainy. Why not just say, God, you have me in this season for a reason. Now I'm going to obey you and look for every gospel opportunity. Because I don't know when this season's going to end. And Lord, if it ends today, I want to be able to hold my head high to say that my character met your opportunity and great things transpire for the gospel. Because God, it's all about reasons and seasons.